0: Welcome, FCS football fans, to the College Sports Talk podcast. I'm your host Ryan Kaczynski, and in this episode, we'll be previewing the start of the college football season uh, with a few Week Zero matchups um, taking place on August 26th, 2023. Um, so we have three FCS matchups um, coming up coming up on Saturday, August 26th. Um, some exciting games, and and uh, we'll we'll jump right into it. So um, our, our first matchup is uh, Mercer against North Alabama. This one is the FCS kickoff game, um, and this one kicks off at 2.30 Central Time. It's on ESPN. Um, it'll take place at the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, you know, in the past, the FCS kickoff game was uh, usually the only game of the of Week Zero, um, at least on the FCS side, but um, obviously that's expanded. Uh, these past couple years. And there's, there's a fair amount of FBS games and, and even a few more FCS games, um, uh, which I think is exciting. You know, you, you don't have a full slate and you get to see some teams that um, you might not normally see as much or or not pay as much attention to when there's so many games on, on the schedule. So um, definitely, definitely an exciting time. And, and, uh, you know, it's been a long off season. So these teams are ready to play and ready to get after it. I, I, uh, they didn't want to wait another week. So they're, they're ready to go um, but in this one, we have, uh, North Alabama, um, they're coming off a one in 10 season last year. They let their coach go mid season. Um, their new head coach is Brent Deerman, um, who was the offensive coordinator at Florida Atlantic, uh, this past season. Um, so he'll undoubtedly bring in a, a revamped offense and, uh, and look to change things up there. Um, you know the Lions not terrible on offense last year. They averaged twenty eight and a half points a game. Um, really, their defense is where they they struggled, and and we'll touch on that in a little bit. But they uh, you know allowed allowed four hundred eighty four yards per game last year, and forty two points per game. Um, not going to cut it, obviously. So uh, really, the only the only way is up. Uh, it's hard to have numbers much worse than that on the defensive side. Um, you know, just looking at their schedule a little bit from last year, they had some close losses. Um, you know, one in 10 obviously doesn't stand out and their only win was against Virginia Wise, which is a division two team. Uh, so no division one wins for them, but, um, you know, they started the season with a three point loss at Indiana state. They lost by six at Kennesaw state, lost by th- by three, uh, at Eastern Kentucky. And they also lost by a field goal to Austin P. So, um, you know, four respectable opponents there at Kennesaw State, obviously transitioning to the FBS, um, and North Alabama was in there in all those games. Now, winning those games versus being in the game is is obviously a much different thing, um, but it's promising that they weren't, you know, weren't getting shellacked every single week, um, and I think that's, that's something to build on, a little confidence to build on uh, going into this season. So, looking at their offense it'll it'll have a little bit of a different look to it this year um they lose all-american running back Sean Derek powell uh obviously a huge a huge loss in the rushing game but um some players to watch uh noah walters at quarterback um he returns and uh he threw threw for just just over 2100 yards last year um 19 touchdowns 12 interceptions so um not a bad year but he definitely looks to to improve on that and um you know, we'll we'll see early on how he looks with a, with a new offense, a new coach. Um, but I but I think things are looking up. I mean, having a year year of experience under your belt certainly certainly helps. Um, another another player to watch out for: receiver Taikari Kennebrew. Um, twenty nine catches, six hundred forty nine yards last year, and eight touchdowns. So he had a good season. Um, and then a couple guys on the O line are are. Uh, Preseason All-Conference picks, uh, Fa'u Taivai. I'm probably butchering that, but um, and Stevie Young also on the O-line. Um, so it's it's nice to have some returners on the O-line um, and some guys that, that have some experience and have played well in the past um, to kind of help the, help the transition. Like I said, into a new offense and and with a new coaching staff. Um, and then they also have an Auburn transfer at receiver at J.J. Evans. So um, we'll see what kind of what kind of impact he has early on, um, and if and if he's able to um, bring some explosiveness to to this offense. Um, looking at the defensive side, um, you know I touched on a little bit just just how abysmal they were last year. Um, not not too many <laughs> bright spots. You know even the games that that were close. Um, you know Eastern Kentucky they gave up 56 points. Kennesaw State they gave up 40. Austin P they gave up 38. Um, so to me, that signals against the better teams, their, their offense is able to keep pace, their defense not so much, really letting them down. Um, and if you're constantly getting into shootouts and high-scoring affairs, it's it's going to be tough uh, week after week to win those, and, and you're eventually going to slip up probably. So um, obviously looking for a lot of improvement on the defensive side. They, ha- they only return five of their 11 starters, and they lose their top three tacklers um but their top four linebackers from last year are all back. Uh so um you know like I said the numbers were were awful last year 400 just under 500 yards a game, you know, just just under 42 points per game. Um a lot of things to improve on there. But some players to watch, some preseason all conference picks and a few transfers names to keep a keep an eye out for. Um Cameron Green on the D-line and Philip Osai on the D-line. Um Gregory Reddick uh, is a, a D-back and KJ Tru- Trujillo is a D-back, um, and then a couple more D-back transfers, um, and we'll see where they fit in. You know, it's hard to know going into the season, but um, we'll see. Edwin White is a Kansas transfer, and Rush Lansdale um, is a is a Memphis transfer, so I'm um, giving a little more uh, depth to the back end of that secondary. So, um, you know, we'll see. North Alabama, I think it's it's. Um, could, could be a trying year. Um, you know, I, I hope for their sake, they, (laughs) they are able to have a little, little more successful year than last year. Um, but, but I think it's going to be tough. You know, I, I think they're gonna, they're probably going to struggle at times. I think they'll be competitive again. Um, how many games they win? I, I don't know. I mean, realistically, I probably see them in the, the two, three, maybe four range. Um, and frankly, this this one against Mercer isn't one I see, but but we'll we'll touch on that in just a minute. Um, getting into Mercer, they they come into the season with high expectations. They were seven and four last year, um, in the SoCon, and just missed out on the playoffs. And and that's kind of been the case for them the past past few years, where it's come down to the wire, the past er, come down to the wire, and come down to the last few games of the season. Uh, and they haven't been able to uh, seal the deal and, and get in. Um, you know, last year they, they ended with a 10-point loss to, to Furman. They did beat Samford the last week of the season, um, but, you know, also a, f- a loss a few weeks earlier at Chattanooga by 20 really did them in. Um, in 21, you know, they finished 7-4, and four, but a, a loss the last week of the season at East Tennessee State probably kept them out of the playoffs. So... Um, you know, again, high expectations this year. Um, some some people, you know, might have them winning the SOCON, uh, which I, I, you know, I'll, I'll talk about that in, in my episode next week. But um, they're right up there with Furman. I think that's going to be, the, the, you know, that game between them is going to be huge. Um, and I, I kind of think it, it comes down to to those two in Samford probably. Um, Mercer enters the season ranked 20th um in the in the stats FCS preseason top 25. Um so so we'll see um if if they can live up to that billing or even do better. Um you know obviously 20th is is getting in the playoffs, but that's not not winning a game. Um so it'll be interesting to see what they can do with that. So some players to watch for Mercer um, you know Ty Ty James at wide receiver, he's a he's a first team all conference preseason pick um devron harper is is kind of their do-it-all guy um receiver kick returner punt returner you know hand him the ball whatever um and and you know we'll see uh how they utilize him this year and and you know what what exactly they do but um you know a huge a huge year last year for him 78 catches 987 yards so just short of a thousand he had 10 touchdowns Ty james um, you know, in 50, only 52 catches, but he had 1100 yards and 13 touchdowns. So obviously those guys are huge, um, huge factors in, in the passing game and just offense overall. Um, a couple of linemen as well that returned John Thomas, Israel Mukweza, um, nice, nice guys to have back. Um, and then Al Wooten, the second, um, just short of 500 yards and four touchdowns last year on the ground, kind of kind of sharing duties with with uh, Austin Douglas and Brandon Marshall. So, um, you know, it'll uh, he'll look for him to step up a little bit this year. And and uh, you know, I, I don't know how many yards or have or how many carries you'll have when you have two great receivers like that. But it's definitely a nice weapon to have uh, returning for you as well. Um, and then they also have Gavin Gavin McKay is a is a Missouri transfer at tight end. Um, again, just another weapon in the passing game and uh, kind of a name to, to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, I, I assume Carter Peavy is going to be the, the starting quarterback. Um, he, he actually was the starter in, in the spring of 21 um, before, uh, before Coastal Carolina transfer Fred Payton took over. Um, obviously, Fred Payton had a great year last year. He leaves. Um, I would think it's, it's Carter Peavy's team. Um, but it could also be Daniel Daniel Schuch, um, you know, who only only threw seven passes last year. But um, we'll see. Uh, so that's again, you know, these early games. It's hard hard to know for sure who who will get the start, who's going to have a big impact, um, who's had a good fall camp uh, leading up to it. Um, but but I, if I had to take a guess, I would think it's going to be uh, Carter PV to start. Um, on defense for Mercer, this is where they can be very, very solid this year. They have 10 starters back. Um, 13 of their top 14 tacklers from last year, including their entire front seven, are, are returning. Um, you know, last year they were number two in the SOCON in, in total defense and number three in scoring defense in the SOCON. Um, you know, averaged 22.1 points a game allowed and 338 yards per game allowed um so very very solid and uh you know there's a lot of a lot of a lot of things to like out of this a few few players to watch Isaac Dowling at linebacker um Ryan Attaway is a Virginia transfer at linebacker I think he could be a great addition for them um Isaac Dowling I should mention had 99 tackles last year including eight tackles for loss um so he's he's obviously an impact player um, they also return Solomon Zubairu on the D-line, um, Ken Stanley, another linebacker to watch out for, and then in the secondary, Lance Wise and Richie Coffey. Um, both, both with good years last year. Um, Lance Wise, 58 tackles, Richie Coffey, 41. Um, so and three interceptions combined between them. So um, a lot of impact players coming back, and it's an, it's an experienced group. Um, that you know ha- has played well and and played in some big games. Like I said, this year it just kind of comes down to to winning winning the big game when it matters. They've done they've done some of their work earlier in the year the past couple seasons and been seven and three going into that last week or or you know have five six wins going into the final couple weeks of the season. Can they close the deal this year and finish with eight wins, um, eight or nine wins and and get up to that threshold where even if they don't win the SoCon and, and receive the auto bid, they can they can uh, really receive an at large bid, um, and it starts with this. This is a game where uh, you know they're they're heavily favored. I, I think they're the much better team. Um, you know my thoughts on the game. I think it's gonna maybe get off to a slow start. Um, take a little take a little time for Mercer to get going, um, but I think we'll see Mercer pull away in the second half, and you know, I'm going to say Mercer wins this one, 42-17. I I think they pull away. And uh, I think North Alabama kind of runs out of steam, isn't able to stop them as much in the second half. Their offense might run into a wall. Um, We might see a few turnovers start to take over. And that's where I think Mercer can kind of open this one up. So I look for Mercer to to get off to a good start uh, with Ole Miss looming uh, next week to start, you know, to start Ole Miss' season. So Um, Not an easy game next week, but I think Mercer gets on the right track to start the year and and takes care of North Alabama. Next game uh, to cover, this one's a 6 p.m. Central start. It's on Flow Sports, um, and we have Fordham at Albany. Um, So interesting matchup here. This one was a a really good game last year. Um, You know, let's first dive into Albany a little bit. Um, in the in the CAA, not no longer the Colonial Athletic Association. Now it's the um, Coastal Athletic Association. Uh, Albany was three and eight last year, um, including a loss at Fordham. They lost 45-48. Um, you know, obviously a shootout of a game, and uh, you know that was that was a little bit Al- Albany's uh, mo at times. They they got into some high-scoring affairs. Um, you know, they had a, a 38-31 loss to Monmouth, 38-37 loss to Hampton, 31-29 loss to Villanova. Um, you know, they gave up 35 to Rhodey to end the year. So, um, you know, we'll see if Albany's defense can take a step forward this year. Um, seven starters back on defense, including 16 of their top 20 tacklers. Um, however, they did lose their – I'm sorry. I, I'm reading my uh, my notes for Fordham. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I apologize for that. Eight starters back for Albany, including seven of their top 11 tacklers. Um, so we'll see if we can ta- they can take a step forward. Um, and this is, this was obviously a, an explosive Fordham team last year. Now uh, it's a new-look Fordham team without, without Tim Demorat at quarterback, and that's obviously a huge loss. Um, and they also lose uh, – uh, Fordham loses a 1,000-yard rusher, 2,000-yard receivers, um, so they lose a lot from last year's team. So how good is Fordham going to look in week zero? Uh, that's, that's a big question, but, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a challenge for sure, uh, for Albany right away, um, to, to face a, an explosive offense like Fordham and, um, you know, a, a team that obviously is going to attack you through the air, you know, Albany, Albany gave up 200, 203 passing yards a game last year, not terrible, um, but but obviously, Fordham's gonna gonna push that number for sure um, in week one here. So, um, you know, we look at the offense for Albany, and that was that was a, a strong point last year, just under thirty points a game on offense. Um, and they return eight starters, four of their top six receivers, and they have four uh, starting linemen back as well. Um, probably the biggest name coming back, Reese Poffenbarger at quarterback. Um, you know, he's a he's a stud um he's, he's a he's a very good player um you know some some outlets have him as the preseason first team all-conference guy um and uh I I hard to disagree with that um look at his look at his numbers from last year he threw I mean what I'm not making this up one yard short of 3,000 2,999 um but he had a 61 and a half percent completion percentage and a great ratio, 24 touchdowns to four interceptions. Um, you know, and he had a QBR of 149. So, um, had a great year last year, and I think he's only gonna gonna improve and build on that this year. Um, he has a couple of his of his uh, big weapons back. He, he does lose Thomas Greeny, um, but Roy Alexander, who had 610 yards and two touchdowns last year, he's back. Um, Julian Hicks is back as well, uh, 345 yards and six touchdowns last year. And then Jackson Parker, 331 yards, two touchdowns. Um, also also a punt return, kick return guy uh, is Jackson Parker, as is Brevin Easton, um, 423 yards, two touchdowns. So that's a lot of good weapons to have returning um, back with him. Along with Ian Renninger who um only eight catches 60 yards and a touchdown last year at tight end but um, obviously can provide some help in the run game with his blocking and um Scott Hausman on the O-line another guy to to watch out for um and then Faisal Aiden a a Utah transfer at running back Um, he, he transfers in as well so we'll see what kind of impact he has this year um you know it's losing todd sibley in the rushing game is is tough he had just under a thousand yards rushing last year um and then it it really dropped off after him so um, be interesting to see kind of where they go with the running backs Um, but obviously they have a strong passing game um you know again we talk about improving their defense and and you'd almost want to have a strong rushing game so you can kind of chew up some clock and keep your defense off the field um, sometimes having a strong passing attack can be a double-edged sword, and I think Fordham, as we'll talk about now, saw that last year. Um, you know, Fordham was, was a team that could light up the scoreboard, but it was just constant, put your defense right back on the field. All right, we scored a touchdown, but now our defense is right back on the field, and their defense really struggled to get stops. They played a lot of games where it was score, you know, score, score, score both ways, um, and and that's tough. I mean, that that's why we see Fordham with – you know some such high numbers on defense not good 36 points a game 460 yards per game and that's playing in the Patriot League where there are some um shall we say less than explosive offenses um so not not good numbers but diving into Fordham a little bit as as I uh referenced earlier they do lose um they do lose Tim DeMorat, an All-American quarterback um they lose Trey Snead, um, you know, a 1,000-yard rusher. Uh, they lose uh, F- Fotis Koko Silulis, uh, who had a huge year, and Dakeese Carter, also a huge year. Um, but the but the cover does not bear at, at receiving. You know, they, they had 3,000-yard receivers last year. MJ Wright was one of them. He's, he returns. Uh, Makai Felton had over 500 yards and six touchdowns. He returns. Uh, Garrett Cody, 303 yards, five touchdowns. He returns. Um, so like I said, the, the cupboard, not dry, not bare there. Um, Julius Lawridge at, at, um, running back had, uh, 932 yards and eight touchdowns last year. Um, so a good running back as well. Um, you know, they bring in, uh, CJ Montez as a, is a New Mexico transfer at quarterback, as well as Ricky Parks, a Utah transfer at running back. So it'll it be interesting to see how those, how those guys fit in, um, you know, I I don't know, Joey Joey Gulbin, only quarterback returning who attempted a pass last year and just one pass, um, you know, so it's interesting to see who who uh, will will step in at quarterback, um, but it is it is helpful that you know you got some good weapons at receiver returning who were part of such an explosive attack last year. You have a good running back, uh, presumably a good transfer running back in Ricky Parks. And you have four starters on the O line back, so a lot of a lot of things to work with there. Um, defense has seven starters back and, and 16 of their top 20 tacklers. Um, I, I can say that confidently now that I'm talking about Fordham, um, but they do lose their defense. Or yeah, they lose their defensive coordinator, um, and their All American linebacker from last year, Ryan Greenhagen, is gone as well. Um, you know, as I said, the numbers not pretty last year with Fordham. Hard to know. Hard to know how how bad it truly was when their offense was so good and also so explosive and, and fast tempo um but but even so uh, you know no matter how fast of tempo your offense plays at if you're not getting stops you know your your numbers aren't going to look good and they they certainly didn't last year um but they have guys returning and a year under their belt and hopefully maybe a maybe a slower pace offense can help them a little bit um and you know, I, I think trying to get under 30 points a game would be would be the goal. Um, you know, if they can improve by that's about a touchdown. If they can do that, I think that's that's solid. And uh, you know, they're going to be tested in the, in the secondary right away by Albany and and uh, Um Not going to be not going to be an easy game here for the first for week zero. But um, you know, that's that's what Fordham's looking for. Uh, a couple players to watch: Matt Jaworski, D-line; uh, Stephen Williams, the second, and uh, in the secondary, as well as Alex Kemper in the secondary, and then Alfonso Dixon, the fourth, also on the D-line. A um, couple, couple names to look out for on defense for Fordham. Um, you know, again, just just touching on this quickly. Fordham finished nine and three last year, made it to the FCS playoffs. Um, Made it to the FCS playoffs, but lost in the first round to New Hampshire in in just a shootout game um, on the road. You know, it appears again that the Patriot League crown is going to come down between Fordham and Holy Cross, um, and that game's on October 28th, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. You know, can can Fordham get an at-large bid again if they're to lose that game to Holy Cross? Um, And this is a huge, this to me is a huge game for them right here. Um, You know, Albany... Picked kind of right in the middle of the CAA, uh, that nine ten range. Um, it's still a big game for Fordham to to say to be able to boast a win on the road at a CAA team. I think is is huge. Um, you know they play Buffalo um, in a few weeks. That's September 9th. They're at Buffalo. Obviously, an FBS win would look good. Uh, you know they they played uh, Ohio last year, and that was that was a shootout game that. That went went uh, right down to the wire, 52-59, they lost. Um, so that probably looked good on their resume too, to be able to take an FBS team down to the wire. Um, but you know, other than that, uh, they do play at Stony Brook on the f- October 14th. But again, not not a great CAA team. So they have they have a few a few games, but I still think this is a big one. I think if, if they're not able to win this, if they're not able to beat Buffalo, and they lose to Holy Cross you know, then you win out win your other games and you're, you're eight and three. I don't know if that gets you in the playoffs as an at large bid coming from the Patriot league. Um, so that's why I think these games, you know, Albany and Stony Brook, both on the road against CAA teams, but I think they're huge for Fordham if they want to have a chance and, you know, maybe not have as much pressure when they, when they play Holy Cross on, on October 28th, but, uh, big game, Fordham Fordham I should mention is in the receive votes category to start the season from the from the stats uh, preseason poll um, man I could, I could go back and forth on this on on who takes it I, I think it I think it comes right down to the wire um, I'm gonna give Fordham the edge um, just just from being a, a playoff team last year and, and Albany struggling in some close games last year um, so I'm gonna give Fordham the edge I, I say they win this one 38-35. Um, in, in kind of a high-scoring affair. I think this will be fun to watch with, with the offenses going back and forth. Um, but I, I like Fordham to, to sneak it out at the end in this one. Final game of the night um, is, is South Carolina State and Jackson State. This is uh, the MEAC-SWAC Challenge. This was in Atlanta uh, to start the year. And you know, there's, there's a lot of storylines in this one. Um, we'll, we'll start talking about South Carolina state a little bit here. Uh, you know, coming off a, a very disappointing season, um, by their standards, you know, it's a, it's a proud program, a historic program. Um, but you know, they didn't, they, they struggled last year. Um, you know, uh, it's, it was offensively just very inconsistent, um, hard, hard to get really any rhythm going for them. Um, and, uh, that was, it was hard to, hard to watch at times. Um, you look at, you look at who they beat. They, they beat Bethune, Cookman, um, pretty big, ran over Virginia Lynchburg, which, you know, kind of a non-counter game. Um, and they did beat North Carolina Central. Um, so, that to me adds to the frustration because you see the potential there. They they beat the team that won the Celebration Bowl and beat Jackson State. Um, and this is a team that, you know, was coming off a Celebration Bowl win in, in 2021 uh, over that same Jackson State team. Um, so hard, hard to know, you know, kind of what all went wrong for South Carolina State last year and what, what exactly didn't work. Um, but I will say this is an exciting... Exciting game for them um, to start the year against the Jackson State team, which obviously has a lot of a lot of question marks as well, uh, with everything they've lost in the offseason. and uh, you know hard to hard to know for sure what uh, what um, they're going to look like with, with all the departures they've had going to um, to Colorado following Deion Sanderson and some other FBS schools as well. Um, but then also all the all the transfers they've brought in um so har- again hard hard to know what to expect from from both teams um but but we'll see um it's it is buddy buddy poe's last uh last season as coach at south carolina state he's you know obviously a, a hbcu legend and really just a college football legend um so it'll, it'll be sad to see him go I, I you know for for his sake i hope they can So for South Carolina State on the ball uh, on offense, um, it, 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 you know again, bad, bad numbers last year, 22 and a half points a game. Um, n- n- not very good compared to their defense giving up 30, just over 30 and a half points a game. Um, returning quarterback Corey Fields, um, not the best numbers last year. Um, he had a completion percentage just under 45 percent through for 1100 yards 11 touchdowns 10 interceptions um, so a lot of improvement there I think I think you know a big sign of this offense will be kind of his accuracy and his his decision making um, and ability to make make plays but also smart plays and and smart decisions with the football um, Khalil Elvis is Ellis excuse me is a name to watch for at tight end A um, and uh jordan smith is also uh jordan smith's a returning receiver um, big loss of, of shaquan davis 934 yards and nine touchdowns last year um but jordan smith 278 yards three touchdowns he returns along with rakeem white um 241 yards and a touchdown so not uh not totally um dry there um but but we'll have to see looking at defense um that's Probably more more the strong side of the ball for, for uh, South Carolina State. Um, s- some names to, to look for in that one. Um, g- solid D-line play. Uh, Patrick Godbolt, um, senior. Jablonski Green, also a senior. Um, two, two good uh, D-linemen there. And then Jared Kirksey as well, um, along with Octavian Minter. So South Carolina State is going to be very solid up front. Aaron Smith is a is a linebacker to watch out for as well, um, along with Aiden Weber, just a sophomore, but but he's a good player, um, and uh, you know some some guys to in that front seven to to really keep an eye on in this one and and see if they can, you know, can kind of control things up front and and really make an impact. Um, Aaron Smith is the leading returning tackler with 60 tackles last year. Um, including five tackles for a loss. Uh, Patrick Godbolt up front had 37 tackles, three and a half sacks, eight tackles for a loss. Um, Jared Kirksey had six sacks. So, can those guys make an impact up front? Big question. Moving on to Jackson State. Um, obviously, a lot of a lot of turnover from from last year, and uh, Deion Sanders leaving um, to take take the head coaching job at Colorado. Um, which means TC Taylor steps over, steps in as as head coach. This team has three total uh, starters returning, uh, one on offense, two on defense. So obviously a lot of a lot of replacements um, are are needed. And uh, you know it's it's interesting to, to look at um, just just how much they were they were decimated. Um, They lose 19 transfers to the FBS, nine to other FCS programs. They do bring in 17 FBS transfers and 12 FCS transfers, so uh, they tried to kind of, kind of restack and reload there. Um, few players to, to look out for on offense: uh, running back JD Martin is the leading rusher, leading returning rusher. Um, Rico Powers that receiver uh, will will probably be a bigger threat this year as well as DJ Stevens at tight end is a solid. Um, solid target as well. Quarterback remains a big mystery. M- mystery though for Jackson State, um, you know, any could be any of three transfers for the job: Jason Brown from Virginia Tech, uh, Ja'Korian Morgan from Syracuse, or Zai McDonald from uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Um, hard, hard to know, but um, it's going to be hard to match to do or Sanders. That's for sure. Um, and, and those numbers. So it, it might take a little bit for the Jackson State offense to get going. Um, on defense, um, you know, it's they, they lose a lot, five all-swag players, and they lose the Defensive Player of the Year to the NFL. Um, so just two starters and, and three others with starting experience on that, on that front, uh, in that group, I should say. Um, you know not not much there but some guys to keep an eye on uh defensive tackle Devontae davis uh dn jeremiah williams and then in the secondary esaias guthrie um are, are some names to to look out for um esaias guthrie just a sophomore but he is a is a on field steals uh list free a preseason first team all swack uh mention. so we'll see uh what kind of impact he's able to have uh, and uh you know this should be a very interesting game. Um, just some just some notes. Miak is 11 and 5 all time in the Miak Swack Challenge. Uh, however, SWAC's kind of dominated it recently. Won three of the last five. Uh, since 2015, none of the challenge participants have have made it to the Celebration Bowl. So uh, maybe it's bad luck or bad fortune to play in this. Um, either way, I think it's fun. It's fun to watch and, and get to see um, an HBCU game. Um, two, you know, high-profile programs in in uh, the HBCU realm, and uh, it should be fun to fun to see. I'm I'm glad Jackson State's there because they got a lot of uh, a lot of storylines and and question marks for sure. Um, another thing that you know should be noted about Jackson State they have a huge game, the Orange Blossom Classic, next Sunday against Florida A&M in Miami, and that's you know past few years that's kind of been the deciding factor for. Uh, the SWAC East, um, title. So are they looking ahead for that one? Obviously still a big game with South Carolina state and they want to, you know, you have, you have conference bragging rights on the line, but, um, you gotta be careful to not look ahead to the next week. You know, my prediction for this game, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. Hard hard to know for sure what we're going to see. Um, Jackson State's got a lot of new faces. Um, South Carolina State with some new ones as well. You know, I, I think I think it's going to be kind of a, a, a tough start both ways. I think it could be slow, maybe some turnovers, probably some three and outs. Um, it's just hard for me to pick against Jackson State. A lot of things are telling me that South Carolina State is, is probably the better pick, but I, I think Jackson State uh, takes this one. You know the inconsistency at at quarterback play um, from from Corey Fields and just the South Carolina State offense last year is kind of scaring me off. Um, I think if if they can you know stay turnover free and and make good decisions, I think they probably win this game. Uh, I don't, I just don't have confidence that that's going to happen. So uh, I think Jackson State wins this one. Uh, I, I think it's you know a little lower scoring. I, I think they probably win this one 27-21. one, twenty seven twenty one. Um, is what I'm going to go with, but I think Jackson State takes the meaxwack challenge and starts the season one and zero. All right, well that's the breakdown for the three games, um, three FCS games in week zero. Uh, thank you for listening. I will uh, have have recaps of these games, um, and I'll uh, also have my episode out um, talking about. Uh, the preview for the FCF season as a whole, breaking down it, breaking it down conference by conference and then just kind of the national landscape and and what I see for the for the playoff picture. So um, that'll be out next week, early next week. So uh, uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, again, thank you for listening and um, i'll I'll talk with you soon.